I mean, I would say all of us should try to create a self-published comic at some point and we would understand comics better. Yeah, Justin's way more ahead of us in terms of knowing uh, the amount of work that goes into it. You and I just sort of bloviate about all of the things that we quote unquote know. Yeah. I think you guys still get it better than I do. You guys talk about things sometimes and I'm like, well, fuck, I used to try to write these things. And I don't, <laughs> I don't think about it that way. Um, did, you, yeah. did, you guys, did you guys read the Grant Morrison, uh, Andy Kubert issues of Crossed? <laughs> you mean Batman 666? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Episode nine, the one where we talk about Batman six six six. That's six the best number. The, it is the best number. I, as always, am Jeff, and joined by me are my just you. You know him by now, but who are y'all? I'm Django. I'm Justin, and I'm marked by the beast. Oh God! <laughs> um, yeah, those two elevated horns represent the triumph of matter and duality over spirit and unity. <laughs> And that's the noise that they make. <laughs> to quote Batman. Um, goodness gracious, everyone. I'm glad to have uh, both of you all with me for this episode. It, it was originally going to just be Django because he is, you know, as we all know, Justin, a... A Satan boy. A, a Satanist Satan boy. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then I realized that I also needed, you know, somebody of like moral constitution here with me. So Justin, the white knight... Um, so glad. how do you feel being his shield from me justin uh it was always going to be that Django. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of predestination overtones in this okay this the broad stroke analysis of this it's a possible future 15 years in the future from what we've been reading where damien is batman that's what that that's the broad strokes of it justin what do you got batman is gothic okay Ah. Well, let's let's get right into it. <clears throat> page number four? No. Page. Let's let's start with number one because that, yeah, okay. that's my main thing. I want to really push here is page one, panel one. Beautiful shot. Dark church. Grant Morrison's love of weird little clown mime children. Bloody yeah. red footprints. and black. Batman, red and black. But also, <clears throat> Batman is gothic. Well, it's a very gothic page. And I'm it is. It. And the first Batman ongoing story that he was ever writing was in Tales of the Dark Knight. And it was mm-hmm. titled Batman Gothic. And I believe the first page of that is someone hanging upside down, crucified in a church, which is the right. same full page shot that we got on page seven of this issue. Interesting. Yeah, this issue is full of, well... I read a lot of references <laughs> into this issue, and I don't know how much of it is it's on It's all a year one reference. The whole Django. thing. Uh, I, I didn't find any year one references, oh. weirdly. Oh. Django oh. can find a year one reference in a can of uh, alphabet soup. But yeah, I, 
cold. I love the idea <laughs> of people listening to this podcast who don't know us from all of the reoccurring bits of the Perfectly Acceptable podcast. <laughs> well, so, listen, there's, a, there's a solution to that, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that's Go also 170 episodes. You'll get yeah, these jokes. Yeah, nearly it's 180. The reoccurring bits of our life. It's true. It's true. You live in a comic shop with your best buddies and record a podcast and it all starts to be one amorphous thing. Super reference, meta reference. But Django, did you say that you read into a lot of stuff in this issue? You found a lot of references? Because I agree. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, just on page one, um, you know, first of all, knowing the red and black theme mm-hmm. of, of the Joker's stuff in this Grant Morrison run, uh, there's a lot of red and black there. And then Batman's costume is really, really similar to the sequel to Gotham by Gaslight that okay. Eduardo Barreto drew. Uh, he's got that high collar, and, and I think he's got kind of the trench coat. Yeah. In I that. love the costume. Yeah, I yeah, haven't I, read that one in a long time, but, but his costume in this really made me think of that series. What do we... It is. It's a really cool, um, interesting costume design. I wonder how much of that is like because Grant Morrison is so notorious for like sketching character designs and things in his book because mm-hmm. uh, he started as an artist before a writer. Um, I'm curious if if that is like it looks like the big shot of him that's an entire page height it looks like maybe a journal entry of his. But I wonder how much of it was Andy Kubert as well because it is it's a really interesting bat design. It's got kind of a Kubert style as well. Kubert likes like squares and then like extraneous flips and thrills and stuff like his he always has like points in um in his batman costume so it does look pretty cubed up but the stance almost looks like something directly out of grant morrison's journals that he'll show in yeah collections and stuff i actually like grant morrison's <laughs> artwork like his character designs are always really really cool i um, totally agree yeah, his like multiversity sketchbooks have so many like, and Superman Beyond and all the, those. He was, you know, he he draws a lot as he's creating these ideas. In uh, Absolute Batman and Robin too, you get his initial sketches for the characters there, and you know, spoiler costumes uh, that will show up later in this run. You see Grant Morrison's initial workings with it, and he he even for those costumes references things from like Earth Two in the nineteen seventies, <laughs> um, specifically. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll touch on the costume when we get to it. But cool. there's some that my like favorite issue of an old comic that I own has the the like first appearance of that costume. Um, um, nice. What do you guys think of the like six panel just? page two and three are the legend of Batman, who he is and how he came to be. And it's basically a six panel retelling of how Damien got to be this point. But yeah, there's the, some the, kind the of deft three, retconning. Yeah. The top three are things that we know, right? And the mm-hmm. bottom three catch you up to this future version. And, and I, I do mm-hmm. like that we get the clarification shot of the ultimate child genetically perfected and grown in an artificial womb because as of yet, we didn't know that for sure. Like we knew that he was sort of the, the peak child and in the previous issue, we show, see him like getting surgery and tied up in a look, bath to tank looking thing. But just to even see him instead of in a womb as a fetus in this sort of green orb is, is I think new to this point information and pretty important to Damien's character overall. Yeah, for sure. Um, another reference on the next page that is probably just me making stuff up, but the character design of that little girl mm-hmm. looks a lot like the robot 
the, the poison gas robot balloons that uh, Joker uses in Dark Knight Returns. Okay. It does. It does. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's, I don't, I, I, I have a hard time thinking that, that he did that on purpose. Um, and I was probably just reading into it because there's nothing really thematic about that or no, no real reason to do that. What's interesting about that is it, it is a Dolatron, which are the things that Professor Pig makes in the Batman and Robin run in 20 or so issues. Um, and is this our first Professor Pig? It's our first unofficial reference to him. Yeah, yeah. And, and he he's the guy who's crucified upside down, um, right? And he's not wearing a mask or anything, which is which is and kind of interesting as well. And he's trim. In yeah, he is trim. He's kind of a a, a plunko in in the later run, um, but even here he's got a thing about red hair. Yeah, he always uses red hair with all of his dolatrons and things. Um, Scarlet, which is a character that will show up later, um, so. Yeah, I think I think there might even be an overt reference to the the Frank Miller thing, just because dolls and doll hair and all that stuff is ripe for uh, Grant Morrison Gothic future weird. Mm-hmm. And the this Dollatron doesn't seem to have the Dollatron feature of the Batman and Robin run, where he like hot glues a face to them. Right. Right. Um, which is like super disturbing. Uh, and I wonder if it's just a thing that he hadn't kind of put in there yet or hadn't come across. Cause there are a lot, while there are references to other runs, like you're identifying, there's also a lot of references to things that will happen in this run in yeah. the coming years. There's so much foreshadowing in this that yeah. I, I was surprised. I think that Grant Morrison like is a foreshadowing master at this point. Um, and I wonder if the spit that she's spitting is that Joker toxic spit that it's weird that her weapon is spit and it yeah. looks like it's burning his costume and his costume continues to burn throughout this next couple scenes. Oh, you're right. Um, and you'll notice that even when he finally gets back to the bat cave, his costume is still um, burning. Oh, so I wonder, cool. I wonder if that's the Joker spit from the crazy Joker issue. That's really interesting. I didn't catch that at all, but there's several pages of continuity where, yeah, his arm is still smoking from the slight, slight bit of acid spit that got on it. And I think that he clearly kills her. Yeah. He punches yeah. her in the back of the head, um, which sets this Damien apart from Bruce pretty, pretty quickly. Yeah. You know, uh, on the, the Legend of Batman double page thread, there is the moment where it says, you know, he's a warrior king of a new dark age. Instead, he rebelled. Mm-hmm. So, like, he is going against Batman's teachings to some extent, and we don't know the, the full story of that. Um, it's interesting. This issue is called Batman in Bethlehem, and then there is a lot of conversation about Babylon um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and Bethlehem being the birthplace of Jesus, but Damien having made a deal with the devil. Like, I, I really like the, the amount of, like, biblical overtone of this whole thing. Yeah, there's a huge amount of biblical stuff in this in Return of Bruce Wayne and Batman and Robin. Um, you know, even in Batman Inc., there's tons of really weird esoteric biblical stuff. You know, even Goth Ham has to do with goats and Satan. Yeah. Um, the, that that root word is goat um, and Bethlehem. I wonder if there's a connection there. Oh, well, you know, Django not. knows all Pig. this. Ham. Ham. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Satan. <laughs> Satan pig, right. <laughs> um, Batman's going pretty ham in this issue on the criminals, on the Um 
as he's uh, just plowing down that uh, Dollatron girl, the cops show up. And not my best choice of words, but the cops <laughs> show up after he has killed Whoa, the Dollatron. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Episode, this guys. is <laughs> absolutely the evidence that Jeff doesn't prepare anything. <laughs> um, but it's really interesting that the cops show up and Barbara Gordon is Commissioner Gordon. And she's in a wheelchair. Uh, so and she, she looks like... Carrie Kelly? Uh, she, no. uh, she looks like Merkel to me from... Uh, Dark Knight Returns, who is the the commissioner okay. in the Dark Knight Returns. Does she look kind of like Carrie Kelly? Yeah, uh, I think it's it the, the glasses and the, the short haircut. Okay, okay. She, she's also, in Batman Beyond the Cartoon, Barbara Gordon is the, the commissioner of Gotham, and she's super, super mean and grizzled and does not like Batman anymore. Um, <laughs> and she's kind of channeling that vibe here, too. That's interesting that, yeah, they are using that... Uh so so prominently here and we learn that like she is definitely antagonistic towards damien batman here and we learn that she holds him responsible for the death of someone very close which is probably either james gordon jim gordon or uh dick yeah i feel like it alludes to dick grayson also because you know as we'll slowly learn that damien and dick have a very close relationship and this might be a like a twist of that I uh, really love that they seed Damien's respect for Dick in this issue because we mm-hmm. have no reason to uh, assume that th- one of my favorite relationships in Bat family history is the Dick-Damien relationship. And so I, I really like the foreshadowing of his deference for Dick in this issue. Yeah, that, I mean, that's potentially my favorite relationship in all of Batman comics. Um, and this is such an early seed to plant. It's so cool. The the Yates quote in here was interesting to me last night because uh, we finished watching the TV show Devs and the last episode starts with a long quote from that same poem. Hmm. And oh. I, I remembered it, I think, either from this or from the uh, Widening Gyre, the Kevin Smith Batman story. Um, because the the first line of that of this poem that they're referencing is about the widening gyre. Yeah, I oh. I read the poem for the first time this morning, and I was like, oh, that's why Kevin Smith called that run the widening gyre. I yeah. never really made sense of the name of that miniseries before. And like the center cannot hold is something that uh, I heard on the TV last night, and I was like, oh, I know that from somewhere, and it's hmm. it's probably from like ten different comics. And then I sat down to read this, and the next like four pages in, I'm reading the same poem that I just googled. The universe, <laughs> buddy. Well, that's what happens when you pray to Satan all day long, like the Django way. Right. Oh God. <laughs> Uh, so it, I thought it was interesting that uh, the way Batman escapes from the cops is with light. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's kind of the opposite of what he usually does too, right? Like he, he usually sneaks off into the shadows and this time he blinds him with the light. Yeah. That's a really interesting, subtle discrepancy or not discrepancy, but you know, oppositional difference between Batman and Damien. Um, and mm-hmm. I like the quote, you know, welcome to Bethlehem where the forces of darkness meet the forces of light and he throws the light down. Yeah. Uh, I liked the small little bit of just the truck says Lexmart and it says dominating the retail industry worldwide. It's fucking Amazon. Yeah. Just a little bit of Jeff Bezos, Lex Luthor, Grant Morrison. Like, you know, he's, he lives in the DC universe in his head. So of course he would throw little bits like that into it. Right. That Batmobile is fucking weird though. Yeah. It kind of looks like a vacuum. It's like, like a, <laughs> it's like a vacuum and the, the little bike from Dark Knight mm-hmm. yeah. um, mixed together. 
look at his posture though like his knees are up by his shoulders he's like yeah <laughs> like a baby stroller you want a lego set of that oh god lego? oh yeah uh, i drive that thing around <laughs> oh wow but it's cool. So after he escapes on his cool vacuum cleaner, um, they, they, the cops do say, sir, we found Professor Pig. And yeah, that's the shot of him hanging upside down, crucified with a nail through his mouth in a church that is, seems to be a callback to Gotham. Darwin Cook references the Batman in the church thing in New Frontier. You know, he's fighting that uh, Satanist cult, which I think is the same lineage that James oh, was a part okay. of a part of and they're like he's saving a little girl in that that issue so i wonder if there's an actual issue where batman's fighting a satanist cult Django is probably like part of your whole you read it every sunday upside he's down he's definitely got backwards. the issue for sure i've yeah. read a lot of satan batman stories they all just kind of <laughs> slip together at some point we call those Django batman stories yeah <laughs> um after we leave the church and the crucifixion scene we go to the sort of wayne manor penthouse in downtown gotham it looks like and i love that damien has a cat named alfred yeah, yeah. Super cool. We do see Damien with his hood off, and he does look like Grant Morrison. That's exactly what I thought. Um, Grant Morrison loves a bald, bald guy. Yeah, I wonder if that was a Grant thing. I wonder if that was Andy. I mean, I, I bet it was a Grant thing, but it does look just like him. Well, I guess that actually, it makes sense. It even kind of plays into that hyper-sigil thing that Grant does in so many of his... Like, when he was doing Invisibles, he dressed up and would live like uh king mob um so i could even see him doing a, a kind of like trying to live as damien or portray the character as him to create some sort of enhanced uh relationship with the character so to to put this this story in a little more context this is hot on the heels of two or three issues that have told the story of alternate batman's causing problems in Gotham, right? And Bruce has seen um, a, a cop with a gun and then a super strong Bane kind of Batman. And then we jump to this and we don't see who the third Ghost of Christmas future is going to be. Right. And Damien describes it here. Do we ever go back to see Bruce's battle with that guy? Yeah. Okay. That's Yeah, That that is sort of the big part of the run. Like okay. that... Um, in my interpretation, without having reread it yet, but I mean that the the black glove um, and everything seems to be that Batman. We do get identities directly revealed in the next like ten or so issues about like who the Batman with the gun was at, at the very okay. least and what caused those people to be what they are but yeah this plays back just like you said the dream that he had a couple issues ago where he was talking about it, where he was visited by the ghosts of three batman and one of yeah. them had like made a deal with the devil i think he he said that yeah. in the thing yeah um this this issue the bad guy in this issue does show directly up as the next opponent in bruce's thing or in this yeah. run um, as well as these next couple issues i realized like with the conjunction of this book the black hand stuff and the stuff that ends up leading to kind of RIP is a lot more present through this whole run. I felt like it was almost an epilogue originally reading it. Mm -hmm. You know, like this is kind of his postscript just for his death. But this issue really upticks the whole story. Like we start moving directly away. Like sometimes some of these issues feel like filler or like just connective tissue. But it's all part of just one story. 
And I feel like after this issue is when the pace picks up. Like yeah, we start it, directly dealing with shit that will play out throughout the whole run. And like seeds for RIP are definitely, yeah, like you're saying, all <laughs> through this run, you know, yeah. Jezebel Jet and the person watching them with the binoculars and, and all sorts of stuff. So it is even the monkey. Yeah, the monkey. Uh what's his name? I forget. This thing says say his name in here. Yeah, even Roman would know. The graffiti, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, it, the the third Batman ghost who had made a deal with the devil, and we know that Batman defeated him, but he had said that one day in the future he would come back to to you know reign Armageddon on uh, Gotham. And the narration here says that that Batman showed up several days ago, and that's why Damien's all at arms about it. And I, I really like when uh, after Damien has mapped out the the murders and they've they've got the the Satan signal. Oh, I know you know what, what the Satan signal it. is. I, I I like the idea of of uh, like Satan having a bat signal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the black um, cat does not like it. No, it it is interesting. So that we know we know through the heart of this satan symbol where he's planning to strike next which is um a global you know the environment uh summit yeah um why am i blanking on that word but um but it's it is crazy to me how much overlap there is between this issue and like our own world right now like when the headlines yeah like, we've got quarantine restrictions remain, but British air authorities believe flights to and from Heathrow will resume next month. Or, like, cleanup countries offer the dirty bomb detonated. Uh, there's, like, an epidemic which claimed more than 18 million lives will soon be under control from Chinese health authorities. Like, it's all, it's, it's, very, um, it's, it's very close to home. In this, yeah, reading it under quarantine for Batman in quarantine, like, this, because I, I read this issue this morning, it struck at it like I, it was kind of unnerving. Yeah, I, I don't want to just like throw synchronicities into things, but I was like, "Whoa, there's actually an ec- epidemic with the origins in China in this issue." And then like the LexCorp Amazon parallels are there. Well, this um, came out in the time of SARS, right? Was SARS running around in 2006? Or That's a good question. Seven? Yeah, it was around then. Like yeah, I think it was a like we had had this, some so. we had had some scares. Okay. So like that that part isn't a huge stretch for for Grant to draw from real, re- reality I guess. Right. Then we're taken to the climate summit and there we see Django himself, you know, mm-hmm. imagine a kingdom of rape and murder and madness forever and ever. Amen. Um, it's easy if you try. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a doing John a Beatles Lennon. quote there. Um yeah, it, and it's interesting to me. So Grant has said that a lot of stuff in this run is not meant to have a very clear, you know, this is the answer. And like True Detective or Breaking Bad, like he was very interested in trying to create a culture of people debating online. So what do y'all think? Is this the devil? Is this just a guy? Like where, where, is, where are your thinkings on this? Because we also learned that Damien, accordingly, uh, when he was 14, made a deal with the devil for his soul to be able to not wage the a Antichrist. war. Not the anti. One more time. He says, "I wonder if His Royal Highness the Antichrist knows anything about the bargain I made at the crossroads on the night Batman died." Okay. Is he talking about this bad guy? Yeah. He's, okay. He's, yeah. 
I, uh, th this is one of the references that I think is probably made up in my head, but uh, there, there are the sons of the Batman or sons of Batman in Dark Knight Returns. Oh, yeah. Is that the gang? Yeah, it's just yeah. like they're, they're inspired by Batman. They used to be mutants. Okay. Also, on the previous page when he's fighting the henchmen, um, that's got super Frank Miller vibes to me, the, the super violent Batman spattered in blood. Oh, you're right. That, that looks even kind of like 300 or something. Yeah. yeah. And then we find out that one of those henchmen is Flamingo. Yeah. I, that <laughs> the was first crazy. appearance of Flamingo. Yeah, I never. I've read this issue so many times, and I never put that together that that's like Flamingo, who is a character that we love. Goes up later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, ultimately, you know, Batman fights this guy off and breaks. I I like this bad Batman's costume. I love the like red eyes and then the mask on it. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, Damien ultimately ultimately uh, kicks his ass in a great scene of like. I, I really, I really liked his admission that he realized he was never going to be as good of a Batman as Dick or Bruce. So he has to cheat and weaponize the whole city. And even that shows a huge amount of growth for Damien as a character. Yeah. To admit that he's not. And I like how they straight up say that Dick was Batman at one point. Yeah. And it's like, you know, there's a reference to Dick being Batman. Um, and there's like almost a lineage there, which is really cool. Did you guys notice that uh, the bad guy literally walks on water? Yeah. I love that scene of him like being raised from the water. Like mm -hmm. it's freaky. It's, yeah. Very biblical. Very kind of reminded me of the movie Constantine. And yeah, I, I loved it. A little bit yeah. Lazarus pity even. Yeah. Yeah. For that's sure. another good point. Um, after the scene where Damien punches his eyes out, like, and we can see his eyes, that's when, like, it's like when you finally see the monster and the intimidation factor is gone because he's, like, drawn with these, like, huge surprised eyes, like he's had the best gotten of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's something scarier than the Antichrist. The Batman. So, yeah, I forget what deal Damien makes with the devil later on in Batman and Robin, but it is really interesting how directly this foreshadows like that moment and talking about like having, I, I guess I remember like being conflicted originally, like this idea of Batman being a hero, but he's made a deal with the devil for his soul and like what all of that means. You know, he's like a way more gray character than a strictly Batman archetype at that point. Mm -hmm. Right, and I don't know if they ever explicitly show that scene, but there is, in Batman and Robin, some time where Damien's alone with the devil. Right. And then we get that cover, and then, like, reading this, I was like, well, there's a scene where they're making a pact. You know? Yeah. And so it's got to be a reference to that. Um, gosh. And then, you know, after he beats him up and takes him down, he does get shot, which, and burned, and all of that kind of implies that he does have some type of healing factor or, you know, immortal ability, uh, which is also very interesting because I guess for these many people to be making the deal with the devil and for the devil to be playing the role in this Morrison Batman run that it does acknowledges the existence of like this, the religious supernatural, mm -hmm. which I really like for this run in other comic runs. It can make me feel a little bit conflicted because again, like it's like in the Marvel universe when there's like Hercules and Thor, it, it kind of confuses my ability to sort of 
put things in places like what is the overall system for all of this so you're known for trying to put things in a box uh, yeah absolutely if anyone listening to this knows kind of a box guy um the yeah it's just it's an interesting inclusion and such an important part of this role is the idea that the devil exists or does he you know and and what role that plays with batman i guess i could see bruce getting or sorry uh damien getting shot and having some sort of science healing factor also okay right but is that um, not the work of the devil like ooh, ooh. Jango, you'd be a master about that the demon you know yeah the it's, devil? It, it's the razagul's tech that yeah. has made him immortal and so technically it is demon tech um, right. i i am also weird about batman and the supernatural i think it can be like the parallels there are so obvious that it can be done pretty clumsily. Like, oh, dark detective, you know, dresses like a bat, which has got very nocturnal symbols. Like, it seems like it should go together like peanut butter and lamb, but (laughs) it sometimes doesn't. And so when it's really implicit rather than explicit, you know, when you have Batman figuratively, like, running, tracking down the devil or tracking down a demon from like literal hell that crawls up in the middle of Gotham that always kind of bothered me when you see like monsters and things, but when it's like these implicit references, I think it's a lot more uh, palatable and I really like it in this context. Like what, yeah. Is he immortal from supernatural shit? Is it just the work of, you know, the league of assassins technology uh, I really like that Grant Morrison has found that like you, you might turn some Batman heads off cause they like their Batman to outsmart things and use mm-hmm. human rational. Sometimes it would break my like understanding of the Batman world when like there's also magic. It's like, oh, I, yeah. I don't understand how, how that works. But when you're very subtle about it, I think it adds a, a really cool layer of depth. Um, at the end here, Batman defeats him. He's talking to commissioner Barbara and he says, you know, I'm the best friend you've got. The apocalypse is canceled until I say so, which is kind of a funny, you know, tagline for the whole thing. Um, it's really interesting. So up until this point, we really still have only had those first three issues that had Damien in it. And then we had the one piece of the previous issue where he's like in a bath tank looking thing, getting healed up. And looking back at how people were receiving these issues as they were coming out like we know lots of people hate damien to this day mm-hmm. but he was remarkably unpopular uh when these issues were coming out really so to have had this jump where now we're implying here's the future and oh, it's all damien no. all the time um, and he's killing people yeah is is very interesting um a lot of bat will miss a lot of bat mythology uh, have have suggested that much like how the appearance of the three ghosts of Batman was like a fever dream fantasy in Bruce's head. A lot of folks think that this is just that same thing. Like uh, it's another fantasy of a possible future. And that is strengthened by the ultimate fate of Damien, which we all know those of us on the podcast um, and we also know that Grant had intended that to be the ultimate fate all along, which right. sort of makes this future impossible, even though we're seeding it at like so much stuff happens in this run to imply that this is how things would go. Well, and, and but if Damien is immortal, that's a great point. And as we know, he's still around right now. So, right. so I think a little bit later, there's the, are, are you going to talk about whatever happened to the Cape Crusader, which I think was a, a 
um, Neil, Neil Gaiman. Gaiman. I would I would but love to. I haven't read those since they've come out. Resurrection of Razal Ghul, uh, whatever happened to the Cape Crusader, Battle for the Cowl are things I would like to do. I would love to do like special episodes about the whole sort of like two or three issue stories at a time. I found two series that tie into this that I can bring you if you want. It's uh, The Search for Bruce Wayne, which was a bunch of one shots written by not Grant Morrison. Oh, I remember buying all of those and being disappointed. Me too. (laughs) Six issues of The Time Masters that ties in somehow to Vanishing Point stuff. Yeah. 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 That was Uh, weird. Yeah. Uh, I'll bring them to you. You can you can do a podcast oh, on them. I don't need to. Do, I'm probably busy. Oh, but we actually have a different podcast to be <laughs> recording um, this week. That is Jeff reads all of the garbage Grant or sorry, <laughs> Jeff brings reads all of the garbage comics that Django brought to the comic shop. So uh, look for that later this week. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. So like that's, I, I guess I guess my question was: Does this issue oh. get referenced in that? uh whatever happened to the cape crusader because well there's a part two to it oh is there yeah in batman inc they go back to this world okay okay and it's super fudged up and it's run by chris burnham that sort of hits the 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 cliff notes of this issue it is an issue that like for the throughout the entire run it's like one of the most important things that you can keep coming back to to try and give you answers for what's happening i think that Hmm. that is like really really interesting when i started this run i was already kind of reading ahead about things about it and so this issue was kind of legendary for me to finally get to um i and i actually didn't have paperbacks of this or so i don't even know how i got this but i remember looking for it for a long time to actually finally get to read batman 666 I bought it off the stands. I remember the day that I got it. Nice. Uh, I really like single issues um, as as the entire comic, like one shots as a comic medium, boiled down. The all of comics, like you have to tell an origin story. You have to tell, like you know, you often have to tell a future and a past. You have to create a whole mythos in one issue. Grant Morrison does it in like Pax Americana, where you yeah. have this entire universe in one issue. Mm-hmm. Um, he does it here. There's a few issues of profit where I think if you didn't read profit, but read those issues, you'd have an understanding of the whole series. Mm-hmm. Um, one shots was, were like things that I would try to write like, okay, what am I writing about? Well, I'll write a one shot for this whole story. And that will tell me what my story is about. Um, and this is like such a great example of how awesome, like a singular story, you know, in so many ways, this is kind of what happens in the future and what we've already previously established in one issue. Um, it's a book of Genesis, I guess, for, for this run. Um, it's really, really cool. Um, and I, th- I, I, I think single issues like that, I, I also love them. And I think that they're not super easy to write nowadays. I think we're in such an era of decompressed storytelling that we so often will tell a, a story over four to six issues. So to be able in the middle of the run, give you an entire meal like this. And I, I like what you were just saying. It oftentimes, I think if you can start with a one shot, I think that, or even throw it in the middle or something, it can, it can help create your roadmap for like in a metaphorical parallel equivalency of what's going to happen in the run later on. Right. Like uh, Scott Snyder's zero issue for zero year where it's Batman fighting the red hood. And then you also see what's going on with the three Robins and his ability to make them, their age different coherent. And you see like Jason Todd robbing the Batmobile as Dick Grayson is being Batman, as Tim is growing up and being an intuitive little kid. He did, Scott Snyder in that example, did such a good job of distilling what 
the Batman mythos was at the time in one issue. And you're like, okay, well now Robins makes sense because of that one issue. You know, mm-hmm. he gave us a timeline. It's a really, really good tool to like kind of level out what you're playing with, especially when you're adopting continuities constantly, you're constantly taking a yeah. baton. Um, and I just like have long had a, a huge love of one shots. And I think it actually came from this issue, like buying it from the off the shelf and now seeing, and now seeing like Pax Americana and, you know, annuals and stuff I've always really loved. Um, and it's cool to go back and see like, damn, he's good. He is really good <laughs> at, at like a single issue. You know, one thing about these, this series is that it was coming out right before uh, there was, there was like, I don't know if there was a publishing mandate that everything has to fit into a trade paperback format, but these were coming out before that was the norm. For and sure. So like the, the issue 663, that was a one shot. And then 664 and 665, you could read those on their own and you would have a little bit of a confusing cliffhanger and you, like you, you, you catch up to things as you're reading it. But those two issues, the previous two issues, work just fine alone. And then this one works fine alone, but it also ties into maybe the Joker poison and the previous two issues. So I think that he had a much harder job writing these things that somebody could just pick up off the newsstand um, and read and enjoy than somebody now who has six issues to write an arc. It right because he has yeah. to do it. He has to do both. He's writing one shots, one shots, and two shots, and a sixty issue story at the right. same time. When I read this, I didn't know it had anything to do with the larger context of the entire run. Mm-hmm. And now knowing that, there's all kinds of thing candy in here for me to understand that in. But as a standalone one-off, like, oh, this is just a fucked up retelling of a Batman future. It's mm-hmm. awesome. Like you don't need to know who the Flamingo is or Professor right. Pig or all these weird references. It's just a cool fucked up story. Um, I just and, looked know, it up. It came out July 25th of 2007, which is at this point, it was about six weeks between issues for this book to be coming out. Can you imagine Batman taking six weeks to come out? <laughs> yeah, hasn't happened well, since just now. <laughs> no, I mean now that's two weeks between issues. Yeah, uh, whether you, um, you know that I think that that was a, a writing style of that era, and and probably the ten or fifteen years before that, because um, like Transmetropolitan, you can dip in and out to of of one to three issue story arcs and get a full story and a complete a complete serving of of the character in the world. Um, but if you read the whole thing, you get a lot more out of it. And there's, you know, there's more context. And I think that a lot of comics at the time this came out were doing that, where they were experimenting with long form storytelling, but also kind of hobbled by the fact that uh, people expected short stories like this. Yeah, it uh, it is very weird to be getting, you know, like a two issue anything written in sort of like a two issue phase. And and when this book started before, you know, before he had even started it, it was originally just going to be 15 issues. Um, and it, of course, Grant Morrison out and became close to 75. Uh, but it, I, I, I feel like this, the ghost of Batman arc is where that paradigm shifted. And he was like, okay, I'm going to start slowly playing stuff out and let this be a much bigger thing than 15 yeah. issues and he, at, at that point i wonder if he said hey guys i don't want to write a time masters thing but if anybody else wants to <laughs> uh i got a way you could tie it in yeah <laughs> um so Django, did you like this yeah i, I mean did. justin and i like stuff you know we love this grant morrison stuff we love having you as the voice of satanistic descent 
um, you read the two issues leading up to it when you didn't even uh-huh. need to. So, so g- g- walk, walk us through your feelings on this, if you don't mind. So I, I didn't read the... Uh, 663 was like what issue six or seven of this of the grant morrison run seven yeah seven that was the first issue that i've read on this round and i've i've read up to um batman and robin in the last couple of years so this stuff is still kind of fresh and uh i i like it more on this read than i have on previous reads um and i don't know if that's uh me reading differently or just the discussion that we're able to have on kind of a granular level about it. But uh, yeah, I, I thought this was a pretty cool comic. I'm glad that they're going to come back around to this version of Damien because um, I don't really like theoretical futures. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm, I'm curious to see what it's like when they come back to this world and also I'm probably going to keep try to keep up with you guys, um, but I, I'm I'm curious to see how this thing that Justin's talking about where, and, and you're talking about where this is an important issue to the whole, the whole series. Um, just my gut reaction to this. What if story um, kind of leading you to the rest of the real world story I don't like that at all. Mm-hmm. But so I'm curious to see how it, how it unfolds. Cause you know, at, at this point I, I, I don't always love Grant Morrison, but I trust him to be in control of what he's doing. Yeah. It is interesting. I, 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 I think part of the importance of this issue is, is not necessarily saying, Hey, this definitely happens, but more that over the next several years, issues are going to be coming out and they're going to be hinting at this very large mystery Mm-hmm. And this issue holds possible insight into solving those mysteries. So like, I love going on and reading different blogs from people from like 2007 and 2008 and, um, or 2009 and hearing them be like, Oh, it's like in 666 when this happened. And, right. and I, I wouldn't necessarily say that for sure that stuff happens, but mm-hmm. it, it, it definitely provides a lot of food for thought of, as you're mm-hmm. trying to make sense of what happens later on. Right. Like I, I don't know if I really believe that this issue literally happens in Batman continuity, like all things lead to this. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that I like, I could clearly see that this, like some dreams do spill into reality, but at other times they don't. I think that's a really good comparison in that same way. Like there are clearly events that overlap with what we could call reality in this run, but it's not the same way or in a literal way. Um, and so we're watching this reshape what happens going forth, but it's reshaping it in a way. And I'm sorry, this is going to like drive you insane, Django, but here's some Mobius strip logic. God, for you. It's going it. to, it's going to rearrange the run as if it could only be arranged once these things did literally like once this dream, if you have a dream about a precognition that changes the events of what we're going to happen leading to the precognitive state because you have thus had that dream. Right. right. Um, and so I don't think the, like clearly we know these things don't play out that way, but in, in a weird way we see ripple effects from this thing. Yeah. Right. And after this discussion with you guys, I like gave me a galaxy brain moment of realizing I have now in this discussion 
kind of stumbled on my own conspiracy theory that's going to reframe how I read this run. Oh, yeah. Like, I can't I, wait I, to follow up on it. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't want to spoil anything. And, you know, I, Jeff, maybe we'll talk in before or after the chat. But I think that this kind of gives a, a funny solve for how a lot of things that I haven't thought about in this run play out. So how do you guys feel about reading this series in this format, like quickly versus slow? Like, do you think that this works well as single issues or better as uh i mean we're not binging it technically but we're reading it pretty fast compared to how it came out i read about three issues a day so i have a little time to think about what i'm going to say on the next couple Mm -hmm. podcasts um for me it and sorry to interrupt i it has been awesome to see the coherency of it that wasn't there because I was collecting it on and off as popping in and out of comics over how many years and then going back and rereading out of place to try to get context. So to see it as a one big thing has been really elucidating for me. Like, oh, this has always been just one coherent run where other times it felt like it was, there was filler. I don't really think there's any filler in this at all. Like there's, right. no, <laughs> there's no fat here. Um, but it also makes it go by a little quicker. Like I, I miss the kind of infinite, not knowing what was official and was not official in reading it out of order makes it seem bigger in a way. Mm-hmm. So now like knowing that it is as linear as I, as it is, cause it's like, nope, each issue has its place. Each issue is leading to another thing makes it feel like it, I'm burning through it a little bit quicker. And that like nostalgic childhood, Justin is a little afraid to like, let that thing be real, mm-hmm. you know? I, not surprisingly, you know, I feel pretty similar to Justin. I really like reading it in this um, almost binged way. But I really like having done that as my second read. Mm -hmm. So, like, much like the Watchmen television series where you're on record as saying, like, give it some days between issues. The experience of, like, having five or six weeks between issues and being so incredibly impressed with it and in love with it wanting to solve the mystery that i was reading all these different online things like that type of interest and enthusiasm only comes up in me occasionally mm-hmm. like true detective season one did it uh this did it um it's you know the the watchman television show it's, it's not super common that a thing makes me so starved for more of it that i'm like going online reading about it i wouldn't trade that experience of this run really for anything having had that now i think that it is given an incredible benefit by reading it in such a coherent way. Uh, It's very elucidating, just like Justin said. So when it was first coming out, I was, I was, this might be the first comic where I realized this writer is telling a story that's not related to the other writers that are telling stories about the character. So like this was coming out at the same time that Scott Snyder's detective run was happening. Right, several years earlier. That that would well, have this been, this part is earlier. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. So the Scott right. Snyder stuff did that. That that was kind of the end of Morrison's run. There was an overlap there. Yeah. It was the end of the bat. His Batman run. Yeah. But but like all of the other Batman stuff, or all the other detective stuff, all the other Legends of the Dark Knight, that wasn't part of this and didn't always line up. Mm-hmm, and right. um, I think I was mostly confused when I was reading this on the first round because I I was reading batman as a character not grant morrison's batman as a story and um being able to sit down and read these and and know like this is a b c d even though he breaks them up and shuffles them up funny um is 
is super helpful to this story. Yeah. And I was confused. You are a hundred percent right. The Scott Snyder stuff has Dick Grayson as Batman, which is like two thirds yeah. of the way through, you know, this run, right. cause that's, this run does that. Right, so new 52. Yep. Um, well, gosh, so glad to talk to you guys about this issue. Like we talk, as we say, basically with every issue is we could just keep, keep going about this, but in, in any attempt to keep it in a concise way where people will consume it at the rate that it hopefully will be coming out. Um, we'll probably put a pen in this for now. So grateful to talk to you two about this. Thank you so much. Absolutely, guys. My pleasure, Jeff. Oh, Satan Django. Yeah, oh, he's man. got more pleasure. He's <laughs> gonna go paint babies with blood or something. Oh gosh. <laughs> uh this should be a Monday episode. So I hope everyone has a good week and I hope this helps start it off right. And uh look for us tomorrow for uh issue six hundred and sixty-seven. I'm Jeff, thank you. I'm Django. Thank you. (laughs) 